Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Mitchell, and joining alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing today, Ian? I'm doing absolutely fantastic today, Jason. I'm only four days away now from graduating. It is a crazy feeling. I can't even believe that, you know, all that work you put in actually is for something. It's really still kind of just starting to set in because I think it's I think people kind of forget how, I mean, at this point in our lives as, you know, young teenagers, the only thing we've ever known is school. And I do think that's a little bit crazy. It's definitely the next chapter of my life is about to be started, but the hot takes of the Berg is definitely going to continue to be a part of it. And I am so happy to be back joining you again today. And I'm happy to be talking some basketball. Basketball has been a little bit neglected this year. I have to be honest. I can assure you with um, obviously graduating comes a, a little bit of a burden off my shoulder. So we'll definitely have more time to be watching basketball, be doing pot, um, basketball podcasts and all that stuff. So I'm completely excited to get into this episode for you today, Jason. I'm so excited. I came prepared with a game that I want to play with you. And I this is what I want to call the conference hierarchies. I've taken just the top seven teams from each conference. And I want you to pick your top four teams right now, regardless of record, uh, just the way that you think they've been playing and kind of for like also kind of like a projective look forward as to where you see the top four seeds um, ending up at the end of the season. Cause I mean, that's really the way that we kind of gauge it. You know, the top four seeds, they all get the home court advantage in the first round. I mean, that's really to me kind of, the, it signals the hierarchy. It obviously works different every single year, but that's usually a good way to look at it, in my opinion. So I want you to pick your four best teams from each conference. Now we can start with the Eastern Conference, and I'm going to go through and list the teams for you. We've got the Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, the Cleveland Cavs, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Atlanta Hawks. All right, first things first, I, I'm going to put Brooklyn – I'm going to put Milwaukee at number one. Um there is rumors that Kyrie is going to be coming back for Brooklyn, so that's going to really shake up the dynamic there um, and force them to switch how they've been playing all season long. And Milwaukee's really figured things out this season. They're 8-2 in their last 10. Um, Giannis is playing, uh, of course, at his MVP level. Uh, Grayson Allen has had a career resurgence this year, averaging, I think, like 14 points per game on really good efficiency. And of course, you still have the the role player or the 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 Robin and Chris Middleton and some really good role players like Bobby Portis, Pat Connington, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, so they're gonna be at number one. Uh, Brooklyn at number two. I'm gonna put Miami at three. Um, they've really been rolling lately. Um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from from Lowry, uh, Jimmy, and hopefully Bam will come back soon. And, and continue to, to help their playoff push. And then at four, if the Bulls can continue what they're doing without basically their entire team, uh, we'll get into that a little later, I, I think they can can secure that four seed spot. I like that. I like that. We also 
have, you know, along with something else that we're going to talk about later for other reasons, mine is going to differ just a little bit from yours. And I'm, I, I already know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get the Bulls hater. I don't have the Bulls in this. And just a little preface, um, the Bulls have already had their next two games postponed with all of the COVID-19 things that they've had. I mean, it's the, our first kind of experience as to what uh, postponements are going to look like this year. It's definitely weird. It's going to help them a little bit because, like you said, they are a little bit banged up. But I just don't think even, you know, this postponement is just kind of precautionary because they didn't even have enough players to play. So once they even get back, they're going to hit a lull right, a little bit of a lull right here. I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to keep up uh, as well as they have been playing. So for that reason, I am just kind of perspectively going to drop them just a little bit. I, I think there's a cu another couple other teams that I listed out there who I think are kind of benefits are beneficiaries of hot starts. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'm still figuring out what to make of the 76ers. If this is the roster, I, I definitely see them in that second tier. If they can trade Ben Simmons, then it's a different story likely. But until something like that is being able to happen, I can't see them in the top four. So like you, I'm going to go Milwaukee at one. They've just been too overpowering. And you even mentioned it. DiVincenzo is coming back and healthy. That's going to make them more dynamic, even though Grayson Allen has been so good for them. Imagine Grayson Allen now coming off the bench. And it's just a real uh, Joe Harris kind of a role, I'd say. That, I mean, he's been shooting the three ball. So I think that could be really, really deadly because DiVincenzo is definitely the better overall athlete and defender, I would say, in my opinion. Um, second with you, I would have the Nets. Third, I'll have the Heat as well. Um, it's been even with Adebayo going down. I mean, you still see it every single night how hard they play defense. And Kyle Lowry has really paid dividends, along with uh, what is uh, seemingly a new Tyler Hero, or excuse me, rookie Tyler Hero. He's been playing absolutely lights out. And then Bubble fourth hero. for me, what's that? Bubble Hero is is I think is Bubble Hero. Bubble Hero. Yes, I like that. Um, and so then at four for me, this is going to be kind of my surprise. I have the Hawks. Um, I do think uh, I kind of said it a couple of times. I think we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with just how good this team is. Um, this Hawks team is after their postseason run a year ago. But I do ultimately ultimately believe that that's going to kind of accelerate their process overall. I mean, anytime you have the opportunity to get um, Trey Young, John Collins and that kind of young core meaningful postseason minutes especially Trey Young when we saw the way he responded on that stage I think that's extremely meaningful they know what it's going to take and unlike them I mean the injuries for them haven't been all that bad I mean they played so many games without DeAndre Hunter I'm not phased by his injury and everything else that they've really seen thus far has been minor and even they're getting guys back and I think uh, Bogdanovich came back for them at some point early in the season and then I know Gallinari has uh, just come back in the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, they're getting healthier and healthier. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that the Hawks are still um, hovering at 500, even with all the injuries they have had. And uh, Cam Reddish and, and DeAndre, or Cam Reddish not really playing up to what he was really expected to be and, and the, the bit of a dip from Clint Capella defensively to start the season. Um, but they've really started to to pick it back up. Yeah, no, I, I, they definitely have. And the results have been better as of late. And I mean, like we saw, it's it's seemingly for this team, it's only a matter of time. I think there's something to be said about teams that have a lead guard that is that good. I mean, we see it in Golden State, how unbeatable that team is, even without the second man running the show in, in Clay Thompson, just because of how deadly uh, Curry is. And I mean, that's 
it led to a lot of postseason for success for them, and we saw how lethal it was for the Hawks. I'm not saying that Trey Young is Stephen Curry, but I'm saying you cannot de- deny the similarities to their game. Yeah, it, it is similar. Uh, Steph's definitely the better defender, but offensive-wise oh, no. – uh, <laughs> Well, Steph is a defender. I don't think we could even give Trey yeah, a defender that, tag. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but to the Western Conference, um, I got you here. I got you. Don't worry. Don't worry. So at first, we've got the Phoenix Suns. Second, we've got the Golden State Warriors. Third, we have the Jazz. Fourth, the Clippers. Fifth, Lakers. Sixth, the Nuggets. And in seventh, we have the Mavericks. No Grizzlies. I actually created this two days ago, so my mine might the be Grizzlies wrong. are sixteen and eleven right now. So they bump I out. Think the they're at, I think they're at fourth. Oh, yeah, the Grizzlies are at four right now. So yeah, the Mavs are out. All right. So yeah. All right. First, I, I got to go the Suns. Um, they've just been playing so well. Um, Chris Paul is seeming like another ageless wonder. Um. Definitely not to the degree of what LeBron looks like, but the fact that he is still able to to put up uh, 15 and 10 and still be one of the best playmakers in the league um, really helps uh, give D-Book uh, a chance to score more. His efficiency is down a decent amount, shooting uh, just 33% from, the, from, the, from three, which is his lowest of his career, and – only 83% from the free throw line. But, I mean, you'll you'll take that if you're Phoenix when you have a, a guy like Devin Booker shoot or scoring 23. Mikael Bridges has 12. Jay Crowder with 10. And DeAndre Aiden taking a little bit of a scoring jump from last year up to 16 and 11, which is really good for them. And then a, a bench group of, of guys like JaVale McGee, Campaign, Landry Shamit, Cam Johnson. Like they have such a, a well-rounded team and such such a good defensive team that's able to to switch uh, on a lot of different positions. Who you got in second? I'm gonna let you do your full run through. I I gotta put Golden State here. The fact that they are 21 and five without Clay there is insane to me. Um, they they're still basically without Wiseman. He's still not fully returned. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's he's injured right now with um, some kind of foot injury. Um, but Clay is is looking really good playing in the G League right now for the Warriors. He it's crazy to think it doesn't seem like he's lost a step. And once he comes back. You're more moving Jordan Poole to the bench, and you're getting that scoring punch off the bench next to a guy like uh, Damian Lee. That's that is terrifying to think about. I mean, and then of course you're gonna have the Splash Bros back together again of, of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and of course you still have Draymond Green, who is arguably one of the greatest defenders in NBA history. I think he's up there in, in top five easily. Um, at three, this one might be a, a little iffy, but I'm a, I'm gonna put the Grizzlies here. Um, they are doing phenomenal things, 
and they're winning games without John Morant even there. Um, the the scoring load that uh, Dylan Brooks has taken on and uh, Jaron Jackson have taken on in, in place of uh, John Morant going down is really good to see. Even DeAnthony Melton off the bench. Uh, I'm really happy to see that they're taking on uh, the the scoring deficit that John Morant left. And they're playing really good. I mean, Ja's been down for two weeks now, and they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're, they're playing winning basketball without the MVP candidate on their team, which is blows my mind. And then, and then at four, I'm going to go with the jazz here. Um, it's, it's a toss up, but I, I think they're, they're better than both the LA teams. And I don't think Denver is going to be able to, to get back to that uh, with MPJ going down for the season. And we're still not sure on the Jamal Murray uh, return date, if he will be returning. Um, but the, the jazz, I mean, you have a, a three-time DPOY, uh, anchoring your defense and granted he can get exposed in the playoffs um which was shown last year but during the regular season you don't have all that much to worry about uh donovan mitchell of course your your main scoring load uh, a really good playmaker and mike conley averaging 14 and 6 uh bohan bodanovich uh just a really good scoring punch averaging 17 and 4 it's it's insane um I really like this Jazz team. Uh, they're a good defensive bunch. I not much else to say about this Jazz team. I, it's been said before. Um, it's just a, a really good group of guys during the regular season that don't seem like they can get it fully done in the postseason. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely going to switch up the approach. Um, First off, for my first team, I'm going to put the Golden State Warriors. Um, and really, for everything that you said, um, first of all, I think this is – we have to view this as so impressive because I think the one difference that I'm going to list uh, – just, you know, heads up, I have one, the Warriors, two, the Suns. The reason why I think the Suns get the edge, for one, like you said, the Sun or the Warriors are playing just at the same level as the Suns, and they still are going to get a guy who we know to be one of the league's top 30 players, no questions asked. That, that's a benefit that the Suns don't have. Also for the Warriors, outside of really Aiton for the Suns, their young players to me don't feel as – their ceiling doesn't feel as high. Like when I think about Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole could drop 50 in a game. I don't think any of the complimentary players for the Suns are capable of doing that. And I think the same could be said for a lot more of the younger guys. When we talk about Moses Moody, he hasn't even seen really any time for the Warriors. There was a lot of people who really liked him out of Arkansas. Jonathan Kuminga hasn't really played all that well, but every time he gets on the court, he shows you a reason why he was picked where he, where he was. I mean, it's just a jaw-dropping block or something that only – a, a person of his athleticism could pull off. So for those reasons, and also we haven't even touched on Wiseman not being there and in the fold yet. I don't know what that really will add, but I mean, you can't, I mean, he was picked second for a reason. 
So, I mean, he should factor into this team in some capacity. So uh, I like the Warriors ahead of the Suns for that reason. When I'm thinking about, you know, where they're going to end up at the end of the year, I'd give the Warriors the edge just for that reason because they they'll have even the luxury. They can afford to not play t- exactly to this level while they bring along Clay Thompson for one to two weeks, but they're gonna it's going to pay such big dividends more that, that uh, or it's going to put them so much further ahead of the Suns at that point that I think it will make them the difference, and I think the Warriors will clinch the one seed. I touched on the Suns um, and some of the reasons why I like them as the two seed, but you went in really in-depth and really, really well into why, you know, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton are uh, a really good a top four seed um, trio in the Western Conference. I mean, they are everything you would want, and Chris Paul, you have the leader. You touched on it, how important having a guy like that on your team is. The statistical impact comes nowhere close to really quantifying what he does to your basketball team. And then Devin Booker is uh, he's not just the prettiest face. He is the bucket getter. And man, he is cold. I love him. And Aiton is we still I mean, we're seeing him kind of find himself on a night to night basis. It still kind of feels like I'm not sure where exactly his ceiling is. I still don't think I don't know when I'll ever watch him and think he's hit it yet because he just looks you know, so imposing, but I do like their core and even their complimentary players are absolutely fantastic. You want to talk about Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson. I mean, two of the, two of the best wings, I think them and Crowder were a huge reason for their postseason success um, last year. But for me, moving on to my third team right here, I'm going to put the jazz and you had them at four, right? Yeah, I had the jazz at four. You have them at four. The only place where I'm going to differ with you at, I I liked a lot of your reasoning. Um, I think I'm not even going to touch too much on, uh, you know, this team because I think you hit it so well on the head. But you said one thing that I thought was key. This is a regular season team. I think if there's any team that I might be stubbing too hard, it's probably the Jazz because I think uh, beside the the Warriors, I think they have actually the second best chances at the one seed, weirdly enough, even though I have them at three. I think, you know, I, I do weirdly enough kind of think that the Jazz would have the second best odds just because they've done it so consistently. But either way, it, it has nothing to do with postseason success. I mean, we've seen them constantly in the top three seeds in the Western Conference for the last three years, and it hasn't made much of a difference. So uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to change this year, but I have them in the same spot. And early early season results, they should be here again. I mean, they're playing up to their level. That defense is right back where – it has been for the last three years when, you know, this team has really taken off with Donovan Mitchell in the fold. And for me, coming in at Ford now, this is where I thought things got really, really weird. And I wasn't really all that sure where I was going to go. I think I'm going to go with the Grizzlies as well. I want to talk about, for one reason, um, First of all, they have just – they've really gone back to what made them such a good basketball team when I was young. I I had to take a minute to figure out how I was going to go about saying this because it's kind of weird. Nostalgia is a weird thing when I think back on these teams. But the grit and grind teams – first of all, let me say, I don't ever remember them having a scoring punch as loud as John Morant. I mean, they were definitely some quiet buckets – um, it was definitely hard fought, but I mean, they were just kind of, you know, nothing really jaw dropping or imposing anything like that. 
But John Moran is definitely, you know, different, and so is Jaron Jackson Jr. But the way they play defense, the relentless nature, it's the reason why, even without a John Moran in the fold, they can be so competitive. I think about another team that I think really embodies that kind of a nature is the Miami Heat. It doesn't matter how many guys they could be down. You really can't count them out in any game because you know down to the very last person on their bench is – at the very least, good defenders. It's just – and they play really good team defense, and I really think that's back to the key as to what the Grizzlies are getting at. And you touched on it for other reasons. I think um, DeAnthony Melton in particular, I think, really breaking out. Stephen Adams fitting their culture to a T, um, really also allowing Jaron Jackson Jr. to play more of that four role. And I think it's even allowed him to kind of – play more of the Swiss army knife kind of a role where you see him switching more now because he has more flexibility. He's not consistently asked to, to, to guard big men because with Valanchunas, I mean, it would be five minutes with him on the court and then Jaron go ahead and, and play center. And now they actually play them together and he does still get some small ball five minutes, but I've liked really everything I've seen. Another guy I have to touch on for the Grizzlies is Desmond Bain. He's been absolutely phenomenal for this team. Um, I really think he's, really think he's proving uh, why I'm an idiot really when it comes to scouting players because I did not mock him in the first round and he has been uh, phenomenal in the two years he's been in the league so I'm an idiot yeah Desmond Bain has really been a, a, a game changer for that team I think uh, the backcourt of him and Ja Moran is going to be a, a fearsome duo for, for years to come no questions asked but that was all for my game all right. Um, I mean, hopping into to the next thing, I mean, we, we have to talk about uh, the huge, huge amount of injuries uh, playing the NBA this year. I mean, not even just injuries. I mean, you look at the Chicago Bulls. They, they have 10 players on, on COVID protocol right now, postponing games. Um, that's arguably the craziest thing to happen so far in this season. Um just insane to think that over half their team two two thirds of their team is not able to play I think it's I hate to interject so quickly but I just think it's even kind of crazy to think about I know for a lot of people their lives may be different but Jason for you and me the only times we probably really even consider COVID because of our you know being mandated to be vaccinated for the school that we attend the only time I think about it is really having to put on a mask when I like go to class. That's the only time I consider it. So I, I will say it was just kind of shocking for me to read that headline because it felt like I had kind of transported back a year in time. It felt like I was back in the pandemic. It was so weird. I was like postponement. I'll never forget the last time I saw a notification like that. And it really hit resonated like that was the night everything happened at that thunder and jazz game the night the nba stopped and you know rudy gobert tested positive and every the like i said the nba world was put on a halt right then and there so it was definitely weird i'd say a little bit alarming um to have a covid situation and like you said 10 guys that's definitely serious and i mean it was only two games and i know that for a fact they have their fingers crossed and they're hoping that you know some of these guys can go because they won't be able to field a roster and this, if it's 10 confirmed COVID cases, they won't be able to fill a roster for a while. So this is definitely something that I think everybody should watch and, and stay up to date on because it's going to have some, you know, really drastic ramifications. 
Yeah, it really is. Um, some other like big name injuries, of course, Jeremy Grant uh, going down uh, with, I think it was a broken thumb. Uh, he's out yep. for uh, six weeks. Um, MPJ out for the season. Uh, a, another back surgery, which really is worrying, um, considering that is what put him out his uh, freshman year of college at Mizzou and why he fell so, so far in the draft. Um, and what what was it? The fourteenth pick that the Nuggets got him, I think. Yeah, I believe I'm it was pretty positive. 14. Yeah, the fourteenth pick. Um, it's arguably the biggest deal of the draft if he could stay healthy. But this back surgery is is really worrying. Um, Anthony Davis is day to day. Um, what's new? And <laughs> and of of course the the biggest one that I think the entire NBA world is talking about is the Zion Williamson. Uh, situation just going on down there um just wow um uh another another huge injury to, to zion a broken foot and just the the zion situation has really gotten out of hand yeah it it really has um First of all, before I get into Zion, just because I think, you know, some of these other things deserve a quick touch and I'd like to go a little bit longer on Zion. Um, I, well, the only one I really want to go into is Jeremy Grant. And um, his injury, the thumb injury, is the same one that Bam Adebayo had. I, I think, you know, it's best to kind of just group them together because they practically got injured a week apart from one another. Same exact injury, same exact surgery, same exact timeline to come back. Um, six weeks for both of them. And I think uh, they both are really key to both of their teams. Now, obviously, Bam Adebayo plays for a team that has higher aspirations in the Miami Heat um, and obviously field a better team. But Jeremy Grant was really instrumental in this team for kind of helping these young guys get acclimated. I think that's – it's really understated. I think a lot of people think you can just kind of keep drafting these young guys and just keep throwing them to the wolves. Nothing matters. They have to have somebody to look to who's been there and done that before because when you get a bunch of 19-year-olds – I could tell you that would be a really slippery slope very fast, and it would be a sorry excuse for an NBA basketball game. But I, I do know, and I can tell you from experience watching some of these Thunder games lately, <laughs> but um, I do think this is a tough blow for both the Pistons and the Heat. Um, but for both of them, it'll be a nice opportunity to see some of their young young players' um, performance step up. But back to Zion, he did suffer the setback. Um He's, continue, he's expected to continue to be brought about slowly. And I, at this point, I'm starting to wonder, is this a boycott by Williamson? And I say that for the reason as there's so many – I know it's often really stupid to get caught up in rumors or anything like that, but there's a lot of binary kind of conversation going online about Zion Williamson. It's either this guy is the fat, laziest slob ever or – it's this guy is clean cut. God, get him out of New Orleans. I can't believe they're ruining him. There's no in between here, I, or at least I'm not hearing it. Granted, that's a lot of just what the Internet is. But I, I do think it's crazy because you'll see I saw a picture the other day that was quite obviously him in the store with this man and his son. And the guy had written in the tweet. He said this Zion. Wow. So nice. Came up to my son, said, I like your shoes. And um they agreed to take a picture with us and all this and that and you could see the christmas decorations and everything in the back and everyone was commenting about on the picture about oh my god this guy looks so slim like how is anyone talking about his weight 
Um, he looks super, super slim right here in this picture. And it was supposedly, you know, just a couple of days ago. And then you see the pictures where he looks like morbidly obese and, or I don't say any of the pictures make him look all that bad, but there are definitely less flattering pictures. And then there's also the reports about him being up to like 330 pounds. So I, I'm not sure. Is this Williamson's camp putting these reports out there? Is Are they trying to, you know, drive this wedge between him and New Orleans? I mean, we know what the situation was with his family earlier on. I'm starting to really wonder. I, I, I really like Zion as a player, and I know it maybe – maybe it's not ideal but there's a lot worse situations around the league than new orleans i mean first of all they've got the better one of the better players they've had in a long time well other than anthony davis and brandon ingram they're trying to move into a new era valanchunas has been playing fantastic since you haven't been there they still have a plethora of young players kira lewis jr also by the way is another guy who went down for this season with a torn acl uh, I'm sad to see, you know, that young guy's season come to an end, but I'm sure he'll be back. But either way, I mean, they this team has a bright future. I mean, I don't really get it, but I am interested to hear your thoughts. Maybe a, kind of a conspiracy going on with his camp and, and the Pelicans? Um, I think there there's one of two things that could be happening. One, of course, the, the uh, Zion's family and his camp trying to get him out of there. Or two, Zion and James Harden have some kind of shape-shifting ability that can make them look fat and then the next day look 20, 30 pounds lighter. I, I don't understand. I mean, of course, we all know the James Harden situation last year where it looked like he was just wearing a fat suit, um, yeah. to be to be frank. And I that could be what's going on with Zion. I, I don't believe that Zion is up to 330 pounds. I mean, with that picture of, of him and the kid and his dad, he looks around like, Two two fifty two sixty. He looks like how he did in college. You um, saw the picture, right? Yeah, it, it, it looks like slim. how it looks like how he looked in college. Maybe a little bigger, but yeah. not to the to the extent of the pictures of him sitting on the Pelicans bench. Um, so I don't know. Um, it could just be a ploy. I it, I'm not a hundred percent sure on it. I. I can understand why Zion's family would want him out of New Orleans because it, it does seem like they haven't really been taking care of his his body the best. I I don't know the Pelicans uh training staff all that well and how they've dealt with injuries, but I know AD had a, a lot of injuries in his uh seven year span there. So it could be kind of going down the same road with Zion. Yeah, there is one more thing just kind of in regards to this. Um, there was an incident uh, before or I guess technically right after Zion got drafted in the summer league where he uh, fell asleep during a summer league game on, on the sideline. And um, I remember everybody thought it was so funny, like, oh, my gosh, he's injured. He doesn't care. He, you know, all they made a kind of a deal out of it then. But I just want to I have a deeper point here. I think it's always a good time to educate people on not believing everything you read on the internet. So like I said, with that backstory, I saw a post today that said Zion Williamson sleeping at Pelicans game. Um, like it was supposed to be like one of their, you know, recent games in the last couple of days and um, reportedly like final straw for Pelicans. And they will now start to, you know, search trades for him. And this was, 
I, the only reason I comment on it is because there was five or six comments below that of verified other verified accounts. And I mean, they was all completely, uh, quite obviously, it seemed shady. I'll, I'll just say that because they all, it was all like one word comments that didn't really add anything um, realistic to the, you know, post itself. It was nothing about Zion. It was all like nice or like crazy with an exclamation point or something like that. So, but all the comments were mind blown. I mean, every single person in the comments was just letting Zion have it. I mean, roasting him over an open fire. And it was so ridiculous to me. These people had no idea that what they were so enraged about was fake or not fake, but I mean, it had happened two years ago and somebody just literally added a different caption underneath the picture and incited this mini internet mob. And I just think people, you have to do your own diligence. Do not believe everything just at face value. It gets you nowhere, especially on the internet. Yeah. I, I didn't hear about that, but that is um, just insane to think about um, the propaganda that NBA media will, will spread to try and get NBA to get certain players hated or, uh, blacklisted out of the NBA it's happened before and it, it's gonna happen in the future sadly but that that's just so wrong yeah um one in one more injury I want to want to go over uh that is a little worrying uh CJ McCollum uh he had a uh collapsed lung in the Boston game um I'm hoping he's doing okay he's He's kind of been the the driving force for for Portland this season. Um, him and Norman Powell with with Dame's shooting slump, uh, still not fully getting out of that. Um, he's been playing good. He's he's averaging twenty five and four this season. Uh, one steal, almost a block a game, which is crazy considering he's six three. Um, not shooting the best, but. I mean, it just seems like the entire Portland team's kind of in a shooting slump this year. Uh, but hopefully uh, he recovers from uh, collapse lung uh, soon because I, I know Portland fans are a, a huge fan of CJ. Yeah, it's hard not to like CJ. I know everyone's probably aware of his journey to the league or at least somewhat coming from Lehigh. And I know he grew like over a foot um, from his freshman to senior year in high school. I mean, you just cannot – help but love cj i remember my first memories of him was taking down a, a really good duke squad in um march madness and i remember i was like wow okay maybe i need to rethink my upcoming big board for the draft i was like this guy seems to be seems to be pretty good um but yeah no a collapse lung is definitely nothing to joke about um it's definitely sad to see the the struggles that the blazers are going through this season i that almost kind of deserves its own episode in and of itself yeah, um, and uh, another thing that could be talked about for hours here, um, the whole Ben Simmons situation. Um, and this kind of ties into Portland um, to an extent. Um, I believe it was about a week and a half ago. I think it was Shams put out a tweet. I believe it was Shams um, saying that uh, Damian Lillard wants to, to play with Ben Simmons, um, basically insinuating uh, he wants – CJ traded. Um, Dame comes out, says that's not true. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, 
I, I believe Dame, uh, but at the same time, Shams is one of the most trusted sources in the NBA. Uh, so it, it wouldn't shock me if uh, something like that was to to go down in the the Portland front office. Um, but the whole Ben Simmons situation, it's it's gotten so out of hand. It's been a a month and a half, and he still has not suited up once. Um, he's he still hasn't reported to to any practices, I believe. Uh, still hasn't gone to the the Sixers uh, um, medical personnel. Uh, he's sticking with his own people. Um, at this point, Philly's got to figure out a way to trade him. It's it's been way too long. It's obvious he doesn't want to be there. They got to figure something out. Yeah. To me, for in this situation, I, I'm just going to start. I absolutely do. I, I want to believe Dame, but I, I absolutely do believe that he probably made this request. Um, and the reasons why is because if I'm putting myself in Damian Lillard's shoes, what is it really outside of the context of the team between him and CJ that they could possibly change besides adding maybe one of the top, you know, other 10 best players in the league? that would realistically put them over the hump and win them a championship. It's, I don't think there's much. I mean, it's just for the simple fact that duo right there is not the same level of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's either one of them, their faults, but I'm just saying it's the reality of the situation when there's another team in the, in your exact conference that does exactly what you want to try and do better and marginal or a good amount better then it's, it's time to reevaluate. And, you know, he's tried this, you know, kind of a backcourt oriented kind of offensive system and it has not worked throughout his entire career. I don't think there's anyone who can sit here and say that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum collectively didn't do everything they possibly could to try and get themselves over the hump. So why not? You know, I want to get the city of Portland a championship. I'm going to tell you what I want. I want to play with a guy like Ben Simmons, a guy who can take some of the weight off of me and facilitate while also allowing me to be just as deadly getting, you know, also the best out of his personal skill set, which is, you know, handling and facilitating and getting guys open. I still think no matter how you want to slice it, Ben Simmons is one of the top five most talented passers in the league. Dame Lillard is not that. I really do think this would add an insane dynamic. And we haven't even gotten to the defensive impact where we know it will have pay huge dividends imagine being able to instead of forcing Damian Lillard to night in and night out check the toughest guards in the Western Conference imagine if you say oh all right we got Russell Westbrook well that's a bad example if you're playing Westbrook and the Lakers you're probably gonna have Ben on LeBron but either way say you're playing the Memphis Grizzlies and you don't want uh, Damian Lillard hounding John Morant all game long put Ben Simmons on him I mean a pretty that's a pretty attractive solution right there I have to be honest so I completely believe that he made these comments and I completely believe that he wants probably a package to be oriented around CJ McCollum and I don't think it's anything personal I think like we've obviously seen throughout the years he's dead set on doing whatever it takes to get Portland a championship and you know I'm sure he loves CJ McCollum but at the end of the day, you know, he didn't know CJ when he was drafted. 
And I, I've heard him talk about it. He said, like, he made that promise when he was drafted. He was going to get the city of Portland a, a championship. And if that means, you know, C.J. McCollum goes and enjoys some time in Philadelphia, which I do not think would be a bad thing. I think it's really kind of a per- – not a perfect trade, but it goes really far into helping both teams get something they desperately need. And just even if it's not, you know, what you desperately need – it's kind of obvious, at least in my opinion, that for the Portland franchise, they need a breath of fresh air. And Ben Simmons just needs a, a change of scenery. It's not going to work in Philadelphia. I'd compare it to the Carson Wentz situation. It's just not going to happen. I don't, you know, Philadelphia fandom will not, I don't think could ever accept that back unless he scored 100 points in game seven of the NBA finals this year. So with that probably not being the reality, I think this would be a perfect situation. Now, do I believe do I believe a hundred percent that Dane brought this up? No, not necessarily, but maybe do I see it being mentioned in him not necessarily saying no, I absolutely do. Because I, I don't think that there's a reality. I mean, Dane is an ultra competitive person. He's considered all he's weighed all his options. He knows what realistic things are in play. And I guarantee you, he's put a lot of thought into a Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum swap. Now, if, if this doesn't happen, I know this trade has been brought up in the past, and this kind of leads into to the next topic. Ben Simmons to Indiana. I think that'd be really good for both sides. Um, I mean, of course, the report has come out. Indiana is looking to rebuild. Um, it, it's clearly not working. Um, and I think a, a trade package of Malcolm Brogdon, and I don't know, maybe Karis Levert. I don't know how the That's money would exactly work. Exactly where my mind went. Yeah, I don't know how the money would completely work there, but them two for Ben Simmons, I wouldn't hate that if I was a Pacers fan. And thinking, you decide. Go ahead. You decide between Demontis Sabonis and Miles Turner, and you have a a two man front of of either. Simmons and Turner or Simmons and Sabonis. I like that. That no, that's exactly the same place my mind went. And I I do have to agree it, you know, I mean, Indiana would seem like one of those prime places. I mean, and it's to me, it will be a team like that, that ultimately ends up taking a, taking a chance. I don't think it's going to be your uh, Los Angeles Lakers obviously that trade for them, or just even to say like your Miami heats or your Boston Celtics, I just don't think it's going to be one of your premier uh, teams, because honestly, I think all of them are content to stay the hell out of it and just say, you know what, if Ben Simmons do- just doesn't want to play basketball. Awesome. I mean, I'll just shoot him a contract and whenever he's a free agent, I, I, I realistically kind of think that teams will just, those teams at least will do that. But for these small market teams that know like, Hey, if we even got a meeting with Ben Simmons, he'd probably laugh in our face for asking him to come to like, uh, this is a bad example, but just to say like Toronto or San Antonio or Oklahoma city or Orlando, or just some of those places like that, he'd laugh or wouldn't even come to the meeting. So for some of those teams and even just young teams that are kind of loaded with some assets, I think it could be, uh, that would be an attractive solution to me. I don't know how I would necessarily say no. Like I would even go as far to say, Washington. I mean, now granted, it's 
a different cal- caliber of player that you're letting go. But, I mean, it's quite obvious you're headed nowhere fast with just Bradley Beal. He deserves a whole lot better. And if you're being looking yourself honestly in the mirror as a franchise, you should probably want the best for a guy that's done nothing but be so admirable for you and your franchise. And let him go play some competitive ball in Philly. And welcome in a new era of revitalizing what is Ben Simmons. Oh, God, I can't even imagine a team of freaking Kyle Kuzma and Ben Simmons. Oh, God. <laughs> the most diva, too much light skin energy. The most diva duo in the league. But I, a Sixers fan is going to be like, oh, but we're losing so much defense. You are gaining one of the best offense players in the league. I I wouldn't be too upset. I know he's, he's in a shooting slump this year, uh, but I mean – it's Bradley Beal. He'll figure it out. And when you when you have one of the best big men in the league and Joel Embiid next to you, you don't have to worry about too much. I mean, yeah, that's just definitely a luxury that you cannot always say. I mean, Joel Embiid, man down the middle of your paint, it always makes you feel a little bit better. Also, the, the fact that they'd be able to bring Seth Curry off the bench would be lights out. Yeah, I mean, def- I mean, just to think how far or where this team has gone, how, when we it seems like we were practically, at least for me, screaming through this microphone for Philadelphia to get some shooting help just two years ago, and now to think here you're in a potential to have or field a roster with some of the ta- most talented shooters in the league, and guys like McCollum or Beal or something like that. Like you've got, I just think they've got to be a little bit more aggressive. Like I don't think there's any mending this bridge and i understand you will never get the value that you think that ben simmons is worth but you're gonna have to try and you're gonna have to find the best deal possible and i'm sure that there's one that can make you a competitive team or a more competitive team than you currently are this season i'll just say oh, no no doubt um this is just like a, a kind of a one-off thing that that happened that I know pissed off a lot of NBA fans, and this this pissed me off. Um, the Houston Rockets. Uh, I forgot which game it was, but KPJ recorded his technically recorded his first ever triple double. Um, Alperin Sengum uh, batted the ball away, and I think it was uh, KJ Martin and uh, uh, what's the other what's the other forward's name. Um, it slipped my mind. Young oh guy. My gosh, I know you're talking about too. Um, they were yelling at Jay Sean Porter. Tate. Yeah, Jay Sean Tate. They were yelling at KPJ to come back and get the get the rebound for his first ever triple double. And and during the game, they give it to him. And I think it's like a 20, 11, and 10 game. I'm not sure of the exact stats, but he gets his first ever triple double. And then three days later, the NBA says. Uh, no, we're going to change that and end up giving the rebound to Alperin Sengu, taking away the, the triple-double that KPJ got. So I, I know that pissed off a lot of NBA fans. That pissed off a lot of Houston Rockets fans. And granted, it pissed me off a lot. Um, I love watching KPJ play. He is such a, a fun player to watch. Granted, him, him at point guard hasn't worked out the best in Houston, but he's – He's figuring it out. And the fact that 
the NBA will go out of its way to change the stat to another player a few days after, it's it's really annoying. It was definitely pretty petty. I think a lot of it had to do with the noise that it got online. Like, honestly, I guarantee you if that just kind of did the normal rounds on Twitter, like your uh, 100 like likes and 10 retweets, something like that, it would have done nothing. Nothing would have happened. But it was just because of the all the attention that it got and how egregious I really do think it was. I mean, for one, to me, it was sad for the simple fact of the fact that the Rockets were able to do that. I understand not thinking that you're in a game. I will never be able to understand not giving hundred percent effort at all times. I mean, I just, maybe I'm crazy, but if I were a coach, I, you would not see the, you wouldn't see the court unless I knew you were going to give me a hundred percent. And the fact that I didn't see, I, I know ex- exactly what, what team were they playing? It, it was the thunder. Um, Oh my god. The the stats was an 11 11.11 assist, 9 rebound game. See, I mean, I, I well, I didn't know I was ragging on my thunder, but I mean just it makes sense cuz I mean, we have been probably the worst team in the entire league this year, but I mean that's just absolutely egregious. I I wouldn't play I wouldn't have played any of those five guys the next game if you didn't hit if none of them hit the boards that that hard that you let the Houston Rockets play hot potato with it to try and get Kevin Porter Jr.'s triple double. Um, yeah. Uh, the last thing. Um, I'm sorry I have to rag on your thunder. Uh, here. Please go ahead. I'm ready. <laughs> the biggest deficit in NBA history. Wow. Um. That that game was. St- I, I I don't even know that is well I think what one fifty two to seventy nine I I think it was a seventy three point loss. The so obviously I'm not happy about it. Uh, well, I'll say it, it brings a slow smile to my face knowing that you know our draft picks will pay better dividends. But like I said, that's a slow smile. It's not something that you're gonna even be able to look at my face tomorrow or even a couple months from now and be able to see, but come maybe April, then you'll, then you'll be able to see the smile. But right now, man, it is not fun to watch a team tank. I cannot stand it. I've been on record as to saying in the past, you know, I can totally see how it makes sense to tank. I mean, give yourself the best chance to get up, to get, you know, better players through the draft. If you know, you can't compete, it makes sense to me. I mean, why drag out, 10 years of middling basketball when you could, you know, realistically have two of the top 10 players in the league in the next five years. It's just a proposition. I don't think anybody could realistically pass up, but God damn, the product on the court is so ridiculously bad. I do not enjoy watching my team play. And it, it is even worse for the fact that the game where we set the, the biggest deficit in NBA history the opposing team doesn't even have their best player in John Morant. It's things like that that are, that are, are pretty demoralizing. And, you know, I'm look, I'm just looking for the, the flashes and the sparks of hope. And luckily um, for my sanity, I'm seeing that. And in, in some of our players, I am seeing the bright spots. It's not many, it's definitely not many, but, you know, I, I take every bit of a 
wild poku pass that ends up in one of our teammates or actually ends up in one of our teammates' hands or a Jeremiah Robinson Earl successful box out. I mean, that's something that I've come to really appreciate these days and just watching Lou Dort run around like a madman. I mean, that's about all I have to rely on at this point. I will give it to OKC. They didn't have SGA or Josh Giddy, but when you let everyone on the, the Grizzlies besides three players score double digits, it's it's never going to end up well. Yeah, it's – it's definitely not going to be good, and it's not going to not going to be any better for the rest of the year. Uh, but that's that's the main topics I, I really wanted to hit on. Um, it's been such such a crazy NBA season. Um, I mean, some teams that are really showing out. I mean, the the Houston Rockets went on I think like a seven game win streak out of nowhere, um, which really shocked me. Uh, kind of ruined their tank. And then the Detroit Pistons on a, a 12-game losing streak, making them by far the worst team in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to agree with you. I mean, it's definitely been an interesting season up to this point. Um, I just kind of also wanted to go back, you know, as we wrap this one up and, and repeat kind of what I said earlier about the fact that um, I know I definitely am a little bit sorry about not being more on top of this NBA season thus far, but – don't worry, we're just in time for my what I'll say probably my personal favorite time of the year. There's nothing like Christmas NBA games to me. I don't know what just sitting on my my couch like a fat lard all day on the 25th of December is just something that I don't think I will ever not do in my entire life. And I definitely say it's a personal tradition of mine. So once I get that fixed in, there's absolutely no telling how invested I'm going to get in basketball. And I can't wait to, you know, see the rest of the season out. Um, but with that, I have, of course, been your host, Jason Mitchner, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. And we will see you all next time.